humility Lord we, we know that Satan is on the move we know that he wants nothing more than to destroy us because he is prowling around like a lion seeking someone to devour but God we proclaim the name of Jesus we claim the name of Jesus Father so I, I just claim Jesus name for freedom over captive souls this morning. I pray for freedom, God, for those who are just stuck in a cycle of sin. I pray for freedom who are, for those who are stuck in a cycle of shame, of guilt, of fear. Father, and may we repent for worrying about things that don't matter. God, bring us to our knees this morning for our complaints, for worrying about what people look like, for even worrying about what people say. God, our own image. We repent for these things, Lord, because you've, you've defined what the abundant life should look like for us. You've defined freedom in Jesus Christ alone. God, and freedom is not judgmental. Freedom is full of grace and truth. So we proclaim freedom in the name of Jesus upon every soul in this room this morning. Father, that we would let go of everything else and the gospel would be simple. Love God and love on people. That's it. And we fight for people's souls to see captives set free in the name of Jesus. But God, there is so much bondage in this room right now. So in the name of Jesus, Satan, you leave us alone. Because you do not have a right to our souls because we claim the name of Jesus. And Jesus already won in case you forgot. Jesus already won. Jesus, we claim your name and we thank you for your blood that sets us free. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. It's pretty cool, all these boxes, huh? Uh, there's boxes on both sides. Operation Christmas Child, a kid who otherwise would not get a Christmas present is going to get a Christmas present this year because of your generosity, so thank you. Um, if you. If you forgot your box, you can still uh, you can bring it to New Hope Church anytime this week um, because that's a, a pickup site. These will all be brought over there. You can bring it there anytime this week. They're open all week uh, for it. It's over on 70th. Um, so you can do that. I woke up this morning and I just started praying about just the morning as a whole. And I, I just prayed that the Spirit would unleash His power for change in people's lives. 
whether you're whether you are a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, but this just that the Spirit would be unleashed to change people's lives. And these three things that immediately came to my mind that I really believe the Spirit gave me this morning for you. As I was laying in bed praying, he clearly said, Nick, remind them that who they are has absolutely nothing to do with what they've done. Who they are has absolutely nothing to do with what they will do. But for those of us who are found in Jesus, who we are has everything to do with what he has done. And if you've come to Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of God. I mean, that's insane. That I am a son of the living God. And he also said, remind them that their fight is not against other people. (laughs) It's against Satan and his demons. We do not fight an enemy of flesh and blood. We fight an enemy that is Satan and his demons and rulers and powers and authorities in the spiritual places. That's our enemy. And the only way to fight that is in Jesus' name. And guess what? (laughs) Tell him that. Tell Satan, remind Satan daily when he wants to beat you down, hey, guess what? You lost. Right? I mean, there should be more smiles in the room right now. Satan, you lost. It's already done. Right? We know we're no match. I'm no match for Satan. He likes to kick me around. With the help of Pharaohs, I'll kick him around a little bit. But I'm just kidding. I'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm no match for Satan. But I fight for Jesus. Right? I don't think we get this. I don't think we understand who we're fighting for. I think we're afraid of who we're fighting against, and we don't understand who we fight for. Because he already won. Right? I don't know how else to say it. He already won. Whew. Today's going to be a two-part message, so I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 13. I just want to read four verses to you right now. Four verses. 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under a seat in front of you somewhere. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Remember, Peter's writing to people who are suffering for the sake of Jesus. And so he's saying to you, hey, he's like, hey, who's there to harm you? But even if you are harmed, guess what? You're going to be blessed. So don't be afraid. He goes on to say, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And here's our key verse for the morning. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is God's will, than for doing evil. 
Key verse, always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I've heard this my whole life. Raise your hand if you've heard this phrase. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah? That sounds like a great phrase, doesn't it? Right? Also, my whole life, I have watched people over and over and over again use that as an excuse for inaction. Right? I fear that that phrase, as kind of an outplaying of that verse, has made people lazy. I know for sure at times of discontent in my life with my spirituality, I've used that. I've used that thought to be lazy, to be inactive, and not to be actively intentional about going out and loving on people, right? Like when's the last time somebody just knocked on your door and said, hey, I wanted to ask you about why you're so happy or why you're so hopeful or why you smile all the time or why this or why that? That doesn't happen, right? So how do we seek to live that verse out in an active and intentional way. Here it is. Here's the, here's the big thing that you need to remember this morning. For us, create hope moments with your life. Create hope moments with your life. This is why the title of this message is Proof of Life, because here's the deal. People don't really believe that there is life in Jesus or that there is hope in Jesus when we haven't given them any reason to believe that with the way that we live, right? When they look at our lives, what do they see? Do they see life, right? And what, I'm not, what am I not saying? I'm not saying do they see perfection, I'm not saying do they see someone who has it all together. I'm saying do they see someone who is alive and has hope in Jesus in the midst of all the crap that covers them, right? In the midst of all the junk that I struggle with, do people still see that I'm alive in the spirit of Christ? I'm not dead, I'm alive. Now, yes, here's the thing. We need to let the Holy Spirit create those moments for us, but we've got to be willing to act immediately when we get the push. We have a choice to make daily. We can just live day to day, right? We can go to work. We can get up. We can go to work. We can take care of our kids. We can love our spouse. We can do all these things without ever being intentional about sharing the love of Jesus with someone around us, right? We can do these things without ever really being honest about ourselves. And so what we need to do is we need to, as we hear the Holy Spirit and as we walk through our everyday life, right, be willing to, as soon as we hear the Spirit speak, act. This is why I have this tattoo right here. It's a, it's reeds blowing in the wind. I asked my dad, can you create wind? And I, but I don't want the big, the big uh, cloud blowing out because that's just, sorry if you have a tattoo like that. But anyway, um, so he created this and it says John 3, 8 here. We hear the wind, we see, it sound, we, we see the wind, we hear it sound, but we don't know where it comes from or where it is going. 
so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that as I live my Christian life, I get up, I breathe, I live, and as he leads me, I'm going to follow. I'm going to act. The Holy Spirit leads me to do this. I don't question it. I just go. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You follow the Spirit's leading. Here it is. This doesn't mean we go down the street and smack people over the head with the Bible, right? Because they're going to hate you for it. This is what I mean. Last week sometime, we had dinner with Jake and Becky Troja. And uh, it was refreshing to hear them talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And one of the things that frustrates them, as it frustrates us, is when people say things like this. I feel like the Spirit has put this on my heart. Whatever it is. Fill in the blank. So I'm going to go pray about it for a week. And at the end of that week, I'm going to see what God says about it. I'm going to see if I still feel the same way. And what we're really doing, okay, is we're saying at the end of that week, I hope God has changed his mind. Because I, like, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, right? So how does God push us to do certain things? Through the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit just told me to do something, so I'm going to go pray about it for a week and try to convince God that he wasn't right. Because I just don't want to do it, right? And so sometimes prayer becomes our worst enemy because we're using it to leverage our time because we really don't want to do what the Holy Spirit just told us to do, which is really what God just told us to do, right? And so we miss out on the blessing of that, and someone else who was supposed to receive the blessing by what we were supposed to do in that moment missed out as well. Now, we're not condemned for that, but that's what we do. Now, there is a place and a time to pray. I mean, the Bible says clearly, wait on the Lord. I mean, I've prayed for salvation of some of my friends for a long, long, long time, and I'm still waiting. I've prayed for things for a long time and have waited for a long time on the Lord. But sometimes... All I really need to do is act upon what God is telling me to do. My father-in-law, Raleigh, he owns his own business. And so he knows what it's like uh, to get things done. Because if he doesn't get things done, he doesn't get paid, right? So he said this many times before. He said, when you want to get something done, who do you want to do it? Someone who is busy, right? And I don't mean a busy body, right? I mean someone who's busy, someone who is out there intentionally creating things in their life that will move them to the next place in life, that will move them to the next place in their business, intentionally making choices to be busy with the right things, right? It's the same thing with us, because the Bible says that he who is faithful with a little will be entrusted with much. So what should we be doing? Create hope moments with your life. And by the word create, I mean be intentional about the way that you live. Create hope moments with your life. So we want to live out that verse, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you, right? But that verse assumes that we are actively and intentionally outliving our lives in such a way that people actually will ask, right? 
Because I could go to work every day. I could see the people that I see every day and live my life in a way that no one is ever going to ask. I could actually live it in such a way that no one ever really wants to talk to me. Right? So you see the difference. Sometimes it's good just to go back to the basics. What are the essential basics of the Christian life? I mean, Jesus says it this way. He gives us two commandments that are so significant that he says all of the law, all of Moses' law, and all of the prophets, the history of Israel, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two things. Here they are. Number one, love God. Number two, judge people. Just please disagree with me out loud. Okay? Number one, love God. And number two, love people. Right? But here's the deal. When all we're worried about is living moral lives and making sure everyone else is too, right? And we're not seeking to love on people or create those moments where people will actually ask us, what's the deal? Why did you react to that person that slandered you that way? How can you love that person? Why were you nice to that person? How can you speak truth to that person who you hate. How can you have hope in this moment of despair? Right? When all we do is seek morality without loving on people, here's what people see. They see a person that may be zealous for God, but not people. And so what do they see? They see that's a religion that says love God and judge people. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants it. Right? So I seriously, as a person who claims the name of Jesus, I've got to ask myself, I say I'm a part of the church. I say I'm a follower of Jesus. But who am I driving away from the name of Jesus by the way I live my life? People may see a moral life, but if they don't feel loved, forget about it. Forget about it. A lot of things have been challenged by lately. Heather and I have been doing ferals for five weeks now, as you can tell. I'm kidding. <laughs> but one thing I learned about ferals is that in order to succeed, you have to change the way that you think, right? You have to change the way that you think at the very basic level. Now here's the deal. I used, to, I used to work out so that I could eat whatever I wanted to, right? My workout was a justification to eat pine of, ben, pine of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every Saturday night. I did it last night because Saturday is my free day and I felt terrible after it. So I actually did it. It's awesome. But now... I eat so that I can work out well, right? I fuel my body so that I can work out, right? And I do all that so that I can be healthy for my family, so that I can be healthy for all of you, so that I can keep up with the job, so that I can keep up with my kids. Because before I was sluggish all the time. I've changed the way I've thought about food at the very basic level. But here's the thing. I fear that that's what we do with Christianity most of the time. I read my Bible, and I pray, and I went to church that week. Check, check. I'm good. Right? And even though we say that we don't want to be religious people, a lot of us are, 
right? Because perception is reality. I would be very curious to have to like plant certain people who have never been to church before, plant them in here, and then ask them after like three months, what do you think? Are we more of a religious church, or are we a bunch of people that have a relationship with Jesus? What would they say? You know? What would they say? I don't know. I love you guys. And I know a lot of you have a great relationship with Jesus, but I also know that some of us struggle with religion. It's just the truth of the matter. What we really need to do is we need to fuel our spirit in order to be disciples of Jesus, which means I'm serious about the gospel and fighting for people on a spiritual level. Heather reminded me of this last week. Mark 3, 13, it says, When Jesus sent out and designated his apostles and sent them out, he sent them out to do two things, to preach the word and to drive out demons. Okay? Which means we preach the word and we have authority over Satan. Right? We are to set people free with the truth of the word of God. Two things. Preach the word, the truth, and set people free. Right? That's it. We love on people and we preach the truth to them and we watch as people are set free from their bondage. And here's the deal. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot do it without the person sitting next to you. You try to do this in isolation and and Satan will have you for lunch. You can't do it without the person next to you. So there's two things that motivate me the most about Farrell's is when the owner, Javier... Dude's jacked, let me tell you. I mean, he is just insane. He's an insane person. Um, But I remember one day, I'm working out. We're kickboxing. I'm kicking this bag, and I I couldn't breathe. It was like the closest to death I have ever come, I think. I'm like about to just keel over and die. And he comes over, gets in my face, and he says, Do you you hurt? Are you hurting? I was like, "Uh And he goes, Then work harder. Then work harder. And so... In that moment, I just pictured his face right there on a bag, and I was motivated. Boom! I hit that bag harder than I've ever hit. Almost knocked it over. My buddy Taryn right here, he knocked the bag over next to me, right? I think that he did the same thing. He pictured Javier's face right there and uh, knocked the bag over. It's pretty awesome, okay? But I needed that, and the second thing that motivates me the most is that when I see someone else struggling and I can motivate them, And I can come alongside of them and push them. It motivates me even more because I know that they need me to push them. So I need to be pushed myself to keep on going harder. Right? We need each other in this fight as we seek to create hope moments with our lives. We cannot be inactive. This is an active verse. Okay? So how do we do that? From this passage, number one, don't fear the suffering for the mission, because why? Because suffering for the mission brings blessing, right? If I'm going to go out and be intentional with the gospel, oftentimes fear will paralyze me. But God says his perfect love in me casts out fear. So what's the number one thing that keeps me from sharing the gospel with people? It's the fact that I have not understood who I am to God. 
Because if I can truly see myself as God sees me, absolutely loved all the time, no matter what, then that casts out fear. And now I can walk out my door and proclaim truth to people even when I'm struggling. I love it. Number two, keep your conscience clear so that no one can slander you. Jesus spent a huge amount of time with people who were far from God. But as he did that, he did not, he, he spent time with them no matter what they were doing. But he did it in such a way that kept him, that kept his conscience clear. That kept him from being able to have a charge brought against him because he was participating in the same sin as the people he was spending time with, right? But he never stopped spending time with people. Now imagine, imagine what it would be like. In a moment we're going to worship some more, and so the band's going to come back up right now. We're not going to take communion right now. We're going to do that in a little bit. But I want you to use these moments to imagine the abundant life that Jesus promises. Okay? Here it is. I think that there's mo- the, the most Christians, real followers of Jesus, at some point they have to feel the tension between what their life is right now and what God is calling them to. Right? There's a tension between the way I'm living my life and I know that there's so much more and it's frustrating. Right? But Jesus said this, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. So isn't the most fulfilling life that I can have is one where I am actively following the leading of the Holy Spirit and seeing miracles happen in people's lives. Isn't that the abundant life? Right? I mean, who doesn't want that? We all say that we want to see people's lives changed by the gospel. Right? It's like an adventure. I mean, it's got to be like an adventure. I want you to consider what it would be like if the next time that the Holy Spirit pushed you to do something crazy. Even if it's like, hey, I want you to give that hitchhiker a ride. Even if it's like, hey, I want you to go over that person's house who's hurting. Like Tim and Karen, their small group, Jacob Becky did this last week. Right? Even if it's like, hey, swallow your pride and go spend time with that person, okay? Forget about your schedule and go help so-and-so do this, right? Don't be selfish with your time. Go pray over someone who's struggling with the loss of a friend, with the loss of a family member, right? Whatever it may be, the next time that the Holy Spirit leads you to do it, just do it. Don't question it. Just do it. So... We're going to sing some songs, and I want you to consider these things in the presence of God. How am I actively creating hope moments with my life where people will actually ask, why in the world do you live that way? Well, let me tell you, because Jesus loves me no matter what, and I am found in him. So think about that as we worship together. Just continue reading. 
Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they, were, they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Let me read that again. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having all been subjected to him. That's the gospel. I got a few people who are going to come up here right now and help me with this next part so you guys can come on up. That's the gospel, that Jesus is the only one that could die for us and give us righteousness because we were lost, we were dead in our sins, okay? We were unrighteous, but Jesus, the righteous, died for the unrighteous, right? That's great news, I think, for people everywhere, but I think for people who have only been believers for a little time, Sometimes I find that they appreciate it more. Because it's more real. They're closer to what they have been saved from. <laughs> but I think about my own struggles. I think about what I have been saved from. And I love this. The next part says that Jesus, <laughs> dead in the flesh but alive in the spirit in which he proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now, that's either evil people who were on earth at the time of Noah's flood or it's demons who were in prison in Hades during that time. But either way, the point is that in the spirit, what did Jesus do? I think this is Jesus' way of gloating a little bit, right? Because he went and proclaimed to them, Satan, demons, evil, guess what? <laughs> no matter what you do, my spirit will always prevail. I have already won the war, right? What are you going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do? Let's remind Satan of that. Let's remind Satan that when we are saved, we don't belong to him. So before we take communion, I want you to see this. You guys can come on up here, Simon and John. I want you to stand right here, okay? Yeah, you can put that on. This is not a reflection on John because this is how he normally dresses. Right? Not with the mask. But I want you to see the point that we're trying to make here. I think to the whole world, this is what church looks like. The people who are far from God, I fear that that, if you guys can't see, the sign says fine, right? 
He looks awesome. He looks awesome. He's fine. You know what fine means? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. But no one's ever going to admit that, right? He's fine. But you know what happens? If anyone starts to love him, what do they fall in love with? What do they fall in love with? They fall in love with the mask. Right? Why do they fall in love with the mask? Because from the outside, he looks awesome. He's got everything together, right? He looks great. There's no scars on this man. He's dressed nice, right? Everything's good, so he's fine. So that's all I'm going to ask. How you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. All right, good. See you next week. That's what we do, right? It's probably the number one thing I hear in church. I'm good. You good? We're good. All right? But you aren't good, right? No one's good. The Bible says no one's good, right? But here's what you are. He still looks good. (laughs) He still looks good, right? But he ain't dressed like this. He's not dressed like this. This is what we are. This is what we look like sometimes, but that's what we are. Because when people fall in love with that, people actually fall in love with Simon. Right? The Simon who in his raggedy work clothes is not hiding anything, and people fall in love with that face. I mean, Allie's like, "Uh uh-huh. Right? People fall in love with that face. Right? But he is forgiven. Right? So who has more issues? Who has more internal issues, do you think? I guarantee you this guy right here. Because inside, he is freaking out. He's neurotic. He's emotional. And insecure. I forgot that. I just spelled it wrong. All right? But he holds it all in, and he's never going to change. But this man is changed, not defined by what he looks like, and not defined by what he struggles with. Right? Because what is he? He is forgiven. You get that? You guys can sit back down there. Okay? I want you to hear this now. I've asked some people to be honest with us, and I want you to find yourselves in this, all right? The things that we read here, this is really us. This is what you're getting, all right? I had to narrow it down, because I struggled with just about everything at some point. I had to narrow it down to two, but I want you to hear this. I am Nick Reed, and I struggle with gluttony. I go to food for comfort all the time. It's a struggle for me. And I struggle with my self-image like crazy. But I am forgiven, and I stand in Christ. I'm Brent McLaren, and I struggle with worry and a lack of trust in God for my everyday life. But I am forgiven, and I stand in Christ. I'm Allie Carl, and I struggle with seeing myself the way God sees me. I struggle with trusting in God's timing and his promises in my everyday life. But I am forgiven, and I stand in Christ. I'm Bob, 
and I struggle with insecurity and a desire for self-importance, but I'm forgiven and I stand in Christ. I'm Jim Kern and I struggle with impatience, anger, and cursing, but I am forgiven and I stand in Christ. I'm Heather Reed and I struggle with yelling at those I love most. I struggle with food to satisfy me and I struggle with thinking negative thoughts about myself. But I am forgiven and I stand in Christ because God says so. Love that. And every single one of you can say, I am whoever you are, and you struggle with whatever you struggle with. But the point of the matter is that if Jesus has saved you, if you've come to Jesus for salvation, <laughs> the struggle is not your identity, right? That is one big but. My kids would have just laughed at that. You did not, okay? <laughs> We're the immature ones in the group. Okay? That's huge. Because I am not identified by any longer what I struggle with. Right? This is how we create hope moments with our lives. When people see that man, <laughs> he's messed up. But I can tell he's not defined by that. <laughs> right? I mean, there's freedom in that. There is freedom in the name of Jesus because he says, you're defined by my blood. You're defined by forgiveness. You're defined by righteousness. You are defined by righteousness. And so are you if you've come to Jesus. Right? You're not defined by your struggle. I love the song by 10th Avenue North that says, hallelujah, we are free to struggle. Because that's not what I'm defined by anymore. So we're going to take communion. And the band's going to come back up and lead us in some worship. But there, I believe that there are four different kinds of people in the room. All right, There may be more. But I'm sure that most people in this room fit into these categories. And all of us, at some level, need to come before Jesus, if we really want to live this out, if we really want to live this out, we need to come before Jesus and repent of something. We need to change our thinking on some level. So the first kind of person in the room, I believe, are people who have never come to Jesus for salvation. You're still in bondage to sin and death and you have not come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know that you're the only way I can be set free. Now, today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. It means that there are no other reasons, if you know that truth, why you should wait. Right? So maybe you've never come to Jesus, and if I asked you why you wait, and you wouldn't know. Or maybe you know exactly why, and I'm willing to bet it has something to do with the way that religious people have been and you've experienced. The second kind of person in the room is you've been a Christian for a long time. 
but you really live out love God and judge people, which translates religion, not relationship. It translates rules, not freedom. You have fallen into the trap of judging people, of worrying about petty things that don't matter without knowing anything about those people you judge. Third kind of person, you're a follower of Jesus and you are really, truly struggling right now in your Christian life. You're struggling to follow Jesus. But you've isolated yourself and you find it very hard to open up. You find it very hard to be honest with yourself about what you struggle with, let alone anyone else. There is no hope in that. There is no freedom in your walk in Christ but you want there to be. You just don't know where to go from here. And the fourth kind of person is you are truly loving God and loving people with your life. And if that is the case, if you really believe that you're there this morning, please pray in these next few moments for everyone else who needs to come to God and say, God, I am sorry for being like this. I really, truly want the freedom that you have to give. And so in these next few moments, as we celebrate communion, there's going to be two tables up here. There's one in the back. Okay, and if you've never done this before, it's going to be controlled chaos. People are going to be walking around to these different places. If you're a believer in Jesus, join them. If you're not, watch and think about coming to Jesus, if, if you come to Jesus for the first time in these moments, then get up and come remember him. I love that. But what I want everyone to do and what I want to invite you to do, I mean, I know for sure in my life I have some things that I have to confess to the Lord that, that in areas that I have not lived in true freedom, in areas that I have held people to a standard that are not in line with the gospel. And so I'm going to be up here in the front facing that cross on my knees, okay? And if anyone else in the room is bold enough to admit in these moments that come right now, I have confessed one of these three things in some way, big or small, come and join me in the front on your knees. Because we want to pray for you afterwards, we want to pray together for you, but we also want to be in humility on our knees in front of the King of Kings, the only one who can forgive us and the only one that says you're not identified by your struggle anymore, you're identified by the name of Jesus that covers your sin because of the blood that I shed on the cross. So if you're willing to do that, come up front. We might get in the way of the people taking communion, big deal, we don't have a lot of room, okay? We'll get over that. But what God wants right now is our hearts. So let's do that together, all right? So let's sing. God, I just, I repent right now. I have not found my true, full, complete freedom in you, God. I've held people to a standard that is not in line with the gospel, God. I have not been completely open and honest with my life, with everything, everybody that I love, and with the people in this church. And it ends now, because I know I'm free, and I'm not identified by my struggle. I'm identified by the name of Jesus. So we worship you now, remembering Jesus for salvation. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus for freedom against Satan's attacks. Amen. Why?
God is strong enough to raise me from the grave. Your love is great enough to take away my shame. Let's sing that again. My God is strong. My God is strong enough. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. We are truly nothing if not for you. Lord, and you see us right now. You see people on their knees, people crying out, people literally crying, hearts hurting, and people longing for you, longing for change, and longing to see other people come to know you. So, Father, as we leave here, as we walk out of here in these next few moments, I pray that this heart that we feel right now for you would just grow stronger and stronger. And every moment we see somebody who needs you, our hearts would go right to them. So, Jesus, just thank you for salvation. We love you. We praise you. In your name, amen.